obviously this is not this is not necessarily true today but at the time you know as a black person from the south like i was used to like racism all the time like mm-hmm. you know microaggressions all these other types of things and even at duke like you know there were not that many black kids at duke either so i was just very used to being treated in a way that wasn't always great right mm-hmm. um in the uk was for the first time i think because there was so much diversity and people just weren't stressed out about me being black. So it also just gave me this new idea that, like, it could be better, right? Mm. Like, you know, you like maybe, you know, racism, anti-black sentiment, like maybe, like, there is a hope out there, right? Because this country and the way I'm being treated, I just feel so drastically different than I've ever felt before. It just made me feel like I could do anything, right? You know, like, the cultural norm in my country they are the thing that's trying to hold me back. But maybe I can decide that I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. Won't you come along with me? Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend B as the guest. Uh, I do have... A slight clarification to put out before I tell you about B. So I have purposely not talked too much on this podcast about the current uh, global health crisis, current uh, pandemic that's going on, because um, you know we hear about it all the time, every day. It, it's on everyone's minds. It's like everywhere you look. Um, oh, that's a theme song, isn't it? Where's the song go? Uh, Everywhere you look, do 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 Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Focus, focus. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I just didn't want to to add to that. But I will say that all of the the regular episodes that you've heard so far of Young Gifted and Abroad in 2020, and that you will continue to hear through basically the the end of the first half of this year. We're recorded between mid-January and the first week of April. So if you have heard, or going forward, if you do hear someone in an episode say something, especially talking about uh, travel plans that that seems inconsistent with the current context of you know this mass effort of everybody staying home and and not traveling as much or at all. Uh, that's why. That's why it seems uh, out of place. So, as I've said before, I'm going to continue putting these these episodes out, these these interviews, these stories, because uh, why not? And because that's what I'm here to do for y'all. So, uh, as always, I hope that they can be a source of of encouragement or joy or distraction or information or whatever it is that you are seeking at the time that you listen to these episodes. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to say that, to put that out there. Now, uh, about B. B is a really cool person. In their own words, B is a southerner through and through, born and raised in Mississippi. Uh, started their undergraduate career at Duke before transferring to Northwestern. But while B was at Duke, they got this really cool opportunity to do a summer program at Oxford University in in England, in the UK. So in episode six, we heard from my cousin Jaquay about his time 
at the University of Oxford, and then in episode 11, got to hear from my friend Justin about his time at the University of Cambridge, and now, <laughs> what is it, episode 58, we get to hear from B about their own time at Oxford. And at the time, B was aiming to be a lawyer, so they studied international law during their time at Oxford. Um, but just being in Oxford, being in England in general, and, and being outside of the States for the first time, all of that was transformational in a way for B in terms of how they, uh, you know, broadening their view of the world, their own uh, understanding of their own identity, and also um, their own place in, in society and in the world and, and what they wanted to do in their life going forward. All of those changes were really kicked off by going to Oxford. <laughs> And, um, you know, again, wanted to be a lawyer, thought they wanted to be a lawyer at the time. And now, cut to the present, B works in, in tech in Silicon Valley. So <laughs> you'll get to hear all about how all those life changes and, and this really interesting life trajectory has unfolded for B so far. Yeah, this I really enjoy talking to B. They have a great sense of humor. And... What really resonated with me also is is how B talked about their mom. May she rest in peace. Um, B's mom was so encouraging of B to go out in the world and and explore and see things and beyond traveling, you know, just trying new challenges and not shying away from things that might be challenging and uncomfortable, but still really um, beneficial or impactful in the end so a lot of the boldness that B has developed over time is due to their mom and for me as someone who's also very close to my mom uh, that really spoke to me so uh, yeah this is this is a, a nice a nice one really nice conversation I hope you enjoy it so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend B Pagels Minor Just um, FYI, my, my asthma is flaring up a bit today, so um, if you hear me wheezing or whatever, it shouldn't be a big deal, but um, if I'm like pausing in between stuff, that's just me trying to catch my breath, so it's fine. <laughs> um, what, what, or do you want to reschedule? Because I mean... I mean, oh. I guess the thing is, is I don't know what would be best for you. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, um, I'm fine. It's not like a serious thing. I just, I like was working out before this and I'm still wheezing a little bit. That's all. <laughs> so basically your body's like, don't do good things to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> basically. <laughs> yes. So, um, I just wanted to give you that precursor, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, why don't we start with um, you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I am B. Pagels Minor. Um, I currently live in the Bay Area in California. Um, I'm originally a Southerner through and through. Uh, mm. So I, I collectively will say that I'm from Mississippi or Tennessee, but that's because they're like five minutes from each other. So okay. I'm just a deep Southerner. All right, wonderful. Well, I wanted to... 
obviously we're here to talk about your time in, in Oxford. Uh, but I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about how you went from, you know, being a, uh, born and raised in Mississippi and then going to Chicago and now in Silicon Valley. Like, how did that trajectory kind of unfold for you? Yeah, so it's actually really interesting. Um, so I was very fortunate to have a mom who was like, very much like, you need to go out into the world and try stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just had that that mentality um, from when I was very, very young to just kind of, you know, if an opportunity presents itself to do something that I would not normally do, or even that it would make me feel uncomfortable, that I kind of have to lean into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, and in terms of, so actually how this worked out, when I first graduated from high school, I actually ended up going to Duke University. And so Duke was really, really cool because like Duke had like all these different partnerships and they had a lot of different resources that they would provide to students to study abroad. And mm-hmm. so I actually ended up, get, you know, applying to a program through Duke um, and, and being accepted into the Oxford New College program where I got to study international law um, right after freshman year of college. Oh, wow. And so it was just, it was this really, really cool opportunity that honestly, it would not have been possible because, you know, I had that, like the historic story of, you know, growing up in a single mother household. In fact, I, I found out that my mom never made more than $24,000 in her entire life. For real? And she raised three kids on that. I, I, fun- yeah, I fundamentally do not understand how she was able to do it, but she was wow. able to pull that off. And so, so I would not have been able to go to the program had it not been for the fact that they actually provided funding for that. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about that program is that it really just opened up a lot of doors for me. I think um, it really taught me that the world is much bigger than I'd ever imagined. And so actually, one of the things that it also sparked was this idea that maybe Duke wasn't the right college for me. And I actually transferred to Northwestern. And that's how I ended up in Chicago um, because, you know, I was just like, wait, I am the classic poor black kid going to this really fancy college and I can't afford to do the insane internships that my classmates were doing. Mm. So, for instance, they would, you know, have these really wealthy parents who would pay for them to have an apartment in New York so they could do an internship that was fancy and not get paid. Mm. I didn't have that option. And so the solution for me was move to a metropolitan area with really good school and then I could just work. And, and actually meet and network with the people in power who are going to mm-hmm. be able to give me opportunity. And so that really made a tremendous difference for me because then that allowed me to naturally get into tech. I didn't have to major in tech stuff. I'm actually, I was actually a history of political science major. Mm, um, okay. And so I was actually able to meet people who taught me what I needed to know so that I now, you know, I work for some of the largest, most impressive tech companies in the world um, doing tech stuff, which I mean, I honestly, I, if you if you'd asked me growing up if this is what I would be doing, I would have told you that whatever you're smoking, you should stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look look where you are now. You know, life um, life obviously was full of full of you know an un- unexpected um, experiences and the like for you. So. <laughs> That just caught me off guard. (laughs) Um, And kudos to your mom. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how she did that. And more than one kid. Oh, my goodness. Uh, That's amazing. Um. Now I... Exactly. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, so it's actually so funny because 
now because you know when you're a kid you think your parents are, you know they say no just to say no and I'm like no she really couldn't do it that's why she said no mm-hmm. wow <laughs> you know? and it makes a tremendous difference mm-hmm. and I'm glad you, you made that point about the whole internship thing because uh, that's you know, something that's encouraged, right? But everybody can't afford to be working for free, you know? So, exactly. um, you obviously made it, made, made your own way and, and found a way to make it work for you so you could still get to where you, um, where you wanted to be. Okay. So you were a history and political science major. And then, so you're studying international law at Oxford after your freshman year at Duke? Yes. Yeah. So it was, yeah, and, and what's really cool about this program, or actually what's really cool about Oxford in general, is that it, it teaches you to learn very differently, hmm. right? Because every, in my class, I didn't have, you know, you know, multiple choice tests. Like, everything I had was, you know, writing an argument mm-hmm. or having to, you know, having an oral test where I had to, I would be presented with all the different concepts that we were studying, and then I had to, you know, be able to, to pivot based on the questions that my professor would ask me. Mm-hmm. And so what I love about that program, though, is that, like, for the first time in my life, because, you know, a, a lot of people, they tell you you're smart, right? But the reason they say you're smart is because you get A's and B's on these tests they give you. Mm-hmm. But it's a very big difference to, to have the nimbleness to be able to, you know, pivot as people ask you different things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really, like, I think foundationally, my time in Oxford, you know, it just really helped me, I think, be a little bit more, um, just, just have a little bit more critical thinking. Right. And so that, that, and that, that change in me obviously has like really impacted everything I do, especially when I think about my current career, right. I have to deal with concepts that, you know, especially because I'm working at these large tech companies that are building technology has never existed before so there's no roadmap we can't go and say like let, let's open up this book and there's going to be a very clear like a b c d how you do this it's, mm-hmm. it's not at all so instead what we're trying to do is like think very large and then break up these large concepts into small pieces that we can build iteratively to actually you know create this new thing mm-hmm. and so you know and, and but that ability that skill all started with being at oxford and, and having for the first time um, to be challenged in the way that I learned. And I also to say, you know, coming from like the Mississippi and Tennessee area, I mean, even though I love my home state, you know, they're pretty low on the, you know, national education rankings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously not because they're not great places, but, you know, a lot of times what happens is, is that the most talented folks don't go to those areas, right? Right, right. So, you know, I was so fortunate to have teachers who really invested in me, but it still was not the same level of challenge, right, mm-hmm. for me. And so that, that that really completely, you know, set me up for, like, kind of what I've been doing since then. Because I, I honestly think every single thing I've done since I went to Oxford, and actually off, I often tell people that it fundamentally changed me. It just mm-hmm. fundamentally changed me. I also think that... You know, it was really cool because it was the first time I'd ever, uh, so I, they had kebab trucks. So there was like kebabs. And Ooh. again, being from the deep south, I'd never had a kebab before. Like, like they had stuff that I was like, what is this? Yeah. I was like, this is, I was like, this is a goat. I said, we eat goat. Like, why are we going to eat a goat? But it's delicious. <laughs> right? So like, you know, 
So like I'm like going through like, oh my gosh, it's like this stuff tastes so crazy. It's so delicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the first time I'd heard so many different languages being spoken. Um, this also was during like the Bush Kerry election. So like also every mm-hmm. time I would go into any bar, like one of the Brits would like pick well also really great being 19 and being able to legally drink. I'm not going to lie about that. That was really, really nice. <laughs> um, and so I, every time I would go into a bar, like one of the, the Brits would be like, Hey, I'm going to buy you a drink, but only if you're voting for the right guy. <laughs> and so it also, it also made me realize I was like this, like, so in, in the United States, a lot of times we just really don't care about what's going on in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not because, you know, we're terrible humans. It's just that we're trained to kind of be us first and then everyone else. Mm, Whereas, you know, going over to, you know, the UK, like they are so concerned about a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. And it really, again, it made me start thinking like, maybe I should be checking out what's going on in other places and think about how all that stuff impacts, you know, my life. Yeah. And again, now we're working at these very large companies already having had that training or had that like, awakening it allows me to think you know very strategically okay well we're going to build this thing it's going to be in 155 different countries what do i need to think about for all of those different countries mm-hmm. yeah so it really like broaden your horizons and in, in so many different aspects <laughs> even as it concerns you know <laughs> eating goat and trying kebab for the first time <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, though. That's nice. Um, uh, Okay, so you, this was in 2004. How long were you there? So the program was the entire summer. Okay. So like three months. Mm, All right. And you mentioned that you, you know, where you are now is not where you thought that you would end up at all. Uh, What were you aiming for when you were majoring in history and political science? What was it that you wanted to do at that time? Yeah, so I legitimately just wanted to be Claire Huxtable. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to be Claire. I'm going to, like, go be an attorney, be awesome, have a family. Like, that that, that was, I was, even, actually, I I actually did go to law school. Mm. I found I actually hate the law. But mm-hmm. it was just really funny, though, because, like, my whole trajectory was do all this stuff so you can go be Claire Huxtable. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that Claire and I were, I love her, but I actually don't want to be her. So I got my undergrad, and then I got an M- MBA and MIS. And so I was working in tech a little bit, but not really doing mm-hmm. what I do now. And so I ended up going to law school because I was like, okay, well, this is obviously not a good fit, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go to law school. And while I was at law school, I got this amazing job opportunity that was really, really cool. And I had this moment where I was just like, well, I'm doing this law school thing and it's fine. You know, I'm passing like whatever. But this tech thing sounds like super, super interesting. And I think if I really, you know, put my mind to it and focus on it, mm-hmm. I can be very successful at it. And so that was really what made the difference for me. I was like, you know, it, it's, it's a simple fact that it was like you probably shouldn't do something just because it's what you always plan. If hmm. something else comes up that actually like really sparks your soul. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's very poignant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm taking that as a, as a note for myself as I'm listening to you right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. And so you were able to pivot and try something new. Okay. And, and so the, the program that you chose that, um, you know, while you were still at Duke, the program that took you to Oxford, did you choose that because that was in line with the 
the field that you were interested in working in at the time? Or were there like other options besides yeah. Oxford? Well, so there's two things. One, um, I just always, so as a history major, especially I was an American history major. Mm-hmm. So I've always been very fascinated about the continued, like the, the fact that, I mean, the United States exists partially because of Great Britain, right? Yeah. And so part of it was like, when I was looking at different programs, it was like, I want to go to a program that, you know, that helps me learn more about that part of the world, like part of our history as well. So the UK was definitely like my number one choice. And then again, this particular program had international law. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start getting that foundation. So when I do apply to law school, I'll have this under my belt and I'll increase the likelihood that I'll, you know, actually be accepted into the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. That <clears throat> makes sense. And um, just so I can like further understand, you know, what, um, where the place that you were enrolled at, you mentioned it was new college. Is there a distinction between that and other parts of the university? Yeah, so Oxford is basically um, divided into, like, all of these individual colleges. Mm -hmm. So Oxford University is, like, Oxford University, and then there's, like, the different campuses, essentially. Um, And then each one might have different specialties. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's really interesting. And then also, like, even, like, for instance, Harry Potter was filmed at different parts of Oxford University. Um, from what I understand, they actually recorded the dining hall scenes at New College. Right. Ooh. So like, it's really interesting how it's all um, set up. And they even actually have like each of the different colleges even have like their own like bars or their own traditions. So there's actually a decent amount of competition between the different colleges. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, obviously you chose this program because it was in line with your interests and, and um, was like, kind of lined up perfectly with you know your major and 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 was going to allow you to learn more of what what um you were already interested in but what was this your first time leaving the country well you said this wouldn't have been possible if you weren't if it wasn't like a like a study abroad situation so was this your first international trip yes it was my first international trip um, okay ever um, actually, what's oh, I forget. So this is actually really kind of hilarious because I was so bad at traveling. I never. So my family is a type of family that drove everywhere. So like I hadn't even really been to airports or anything, mm-hmm. right? And so like the only even Duke, like we drove. My mom drove me to Duke, and then I would take the Greyhound bus back and forth to to Duke from mm-hmm. you know to Memphis. And so this was my first time um, ever being on a plane that big. It was my first time ever having to, you know, like I had to take a flight from Memphis to like New York or something like that. And then I went from New York to, you know, the UK. And I had never been to New York or anything like that either. So it was like, it was a lot of first for me. Wow. But what's really ironic about it is I like sitting there trying to figure out this airport and how to get to the bus so I could take the bus to my camp, to the college. And someone stole my wallet. So I legitimately, I'm, I'm not even in the country for an hour and my stuff got stolen. And so then I had to call collect to like my aunt and my aunt, like, uh, Western union me some money, which I found out that's like, that's, I was always trying to figure out like, why do people use Western union? I was like, this is exactly why people use Western (laughs) union. You get money so fast internationally. Yeah. (laughs) But also like, uh, so I had to file a police report and like the police officer was just like, I feel so bad for you that you're like this little southern kid who has no idea what's going on. Mm. And so he actually went over to the bus driver and asked the bus driver just to take me for free to Aww. my college. And so that that's was... how I ended up getting there. I was just like, thank God. I was like, if it had not been for you, I'm pretty sure I would have 
curled up into like the fetal position and cried. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, and you just got there. Oh my goodness. Um, that was really nice of him. <laughs> oh, what a first day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, uh, and also, you know, your aunt, you know, was, was uh, good looking out for you and everything. Uh, I know you said your mom was, um, encouraged you to, to, to try new things, uh, and all that. Um, uh, but what did she think about you going out of the country for the first time? Yeah, it's actually really funny because, like, my mom, so my mom had me when she was 21. Hmm. And she used to always tell me, she right before she had me, she actually said that she was thinking about joining the military because she wanted to travel, right? Hmm. And it was, like, her big thing. She's like, you know, I don't think, you know, this college thing is working out, like, whatever. Like, I think I'm just going to go join the military and travel. So she was actually highly encouraging. She she used to always tell me, she's like, you need to go everywhere. She's like, you know, now that, you know, you're, you have the ability, she's like, I got these kids, I'm still raising these kids, but mm-hmm. you need to go out there, you need to explore as much as possible um, to kind of be brave in that way and kind of pursue things. Yeah. And are you the oldest? I am the oldest of my siblings, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, did you feel like you were setting a, like a precedent or an example for your siblings or did you not think of it that way? Was it more just a, this individual thing that you were doing for yourself? So what's really interesting is that like in my family down south, mm-hmm. like, so my dad's side of the family is like a little bit more like into, you know, risk taking and things like that. But my mm-hmm. mom's side of the family, which is, you know, who I primarily grew up with. I mean, all like, so some of my cousins, will not leave like so for instance i'll say i would say like you should come up to chicago and visit and they would say things like but there might be a terrorist attack and i was like what oh, I was like, what are you talking about like i have no idea what how is it how is this the thought process that you have that something <laughs> bad is going to happen when you just go like like because chicago was like eight nine hour drive yeah I was like that does not even make sense so, like i definitely felt like it was important for me to do these things so that other people in my family would see that this is not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, was it kind of like a big city equals violence and maybe terrorism? Like, is that what the thought process might have been for them? I think so. You know, it's really interesting, like I said, because, you know, a lot of my uh, mom's side of the family, they primarily kind of stayed in the same areas and things like that. And I think it really does come down to this idea that, like, for them, they only see bad things that happen. Mm. And the something reality is, first of all, we know that bad things can happen anywhere. Like, right. I mean, we, we hear crazy stories and we're just like, that happened where? Right. And so for <laughs> me, you know, I feel very differently. I'm like, well, if something bad's going to happen, I should probably go ahead and go as balls to the wall as possible now. So I won't have any regrets if that bad thing happens. Mm. Wow. That's such a... A, a dynamic attitude to have about it you know like well at least i won't have any regrets you know that's exactly. um that's really yeah that's really inspiring now that i hear you say that um okay so and, and so when you went to to um to oxford were there any other people from your university that were going at the same time or like any other americans you came across in your classes or were you, like, did you not know anyone, period, when you went there? 
So there was like a cohort. So so it was like an application process. So a lot of people applied and then they like accepted a certain number of people. Mm. I can't remember exactly what the number is, but I think it was like less than 20 of us. Mm. Um, so we all went from the university and we all had, we were all studying different things. Like, so for instance, it was, you know, even though we came from the same place, we weren't necessarily studying the same subject matter. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it was really cool because we actually had like a person who helped like organize events for all of us. Like, you know, we went to go see um, you know, Shakespeare, we went to go see, you know, different, like Shakespeare's house, we went to go see plays, things like that. So it was really nice because at least, you know, you didn't have that like weird, like, I am the only foreigner here type mm-hmm. situation. <laughs> that was very nice. Yeah. Okay. And um, were you able to make any really close connections, like any like solid friendships that formed during that time, anything like that? You know, I would say not necessarily. And, and okay. I, again, that goes back to that idea that, like, since we were all in different programs. Oh, that's right. We yeah. only really saw each other. We only really saw each other, like, meal times or for the, the planned activities. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of, like, more like you had, like, these travel buddies who were available should you need it. Mm-hmm. But you also did not necessarily ever have to see them um, mm-hmm. other than that period of time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I take it you were in class, like... During the weekdays, what types of things did you do outside of class? I mean, you mentioned the excursions you went on, but uh, aside from that, you know, what types of things did you do outside of your studies? So I would like to be mature and say, like, I explored and did whatever. But honestly, (laughs) you have a whole bunch of, like, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. We were just drinking and hanging out and eating. Because, again, like, most of us... Most of us, even the folks who are from bigger cities, they were like, oh, this is even different than what we are used to, mm-hmm. right? So they, like, you know, we would love to go into town and, like, eat the, like eat the different food, you know, go to different bars and stuff like that. And actually, a lot of the folks who worked at the school became, you know, some of my favorite people to hang out with because I'd say, you know, where are you going tonight? And I'd go hang out with them mm-hmm. and actually go and, like, you know, try different things. Like, for instance, I had a Pimm's Cup for the first time. And now, I mean, to this day, it's, like, one of my favorite drinks, you know? <laughs> um, and it was all because, like, we would just go into town and just really kind of see what was going on. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a, a way of exploring, kind of, you know, getting to know the, the area and, you know, having good times with the people that you meet, you know? So that's something. <laughs> that's exploring that's in true. a different type of yeah. way. Yeah, I was doing cultural anthropology. That's what I'm gonna call it. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yes, that works. <laughs> so this was after your your freshman year, and you were studying international law. You mentioned the the challenge of having to like kind of step up your critical thinking skills and respond to the the situation as it as it develops. Um, but I guess with the just the subject matter and everything. I mean, was that a big leap uh, or a big challenge after having only just finished your freshman year? You know, I would say yes and no. And so the, the number one thing is, is that, like, before, I used to be able to BS a lot of things, hmm. right? Like, you know, you, you would kind of just go and say, oh, I'm kind of doing this thing, and this is why. Like, so for instance, like, when I think about a lot of my freshman classes, I can still kind of BS my way through a test. Mm -hmm. or like an essay um and so it was like my first essay that i wrote i remember did not go very well but again they don't they don't they don't necessarily do the abc like it's really more like they're trying to check your critical thinking and they kind of kind of course correct you Mm -hmm. if you're not potentially going in the right path 
And so all of a sudden, I actually had to go back to the drawing board and actually rethink about how I studied and prepared for things. Right. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I, I had to do some growing up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like you got a grasp on um, you were studying American history and you wanted to learn more about, I guess, this part of the world because it you know, because it has so much to do with America existing. Um, do you feel like you, you got that, that knowledge that you were seeking? So I think what I really got was I was trying to figure out what makes Britain Britain, I mm-hmm. guess, is what I really came down to. And I, I definitely got the, the idea of, like, how that culture could inspire what we are now, mm-hmm. for sure. But I honestly think it was just really what I ended up doing. Is I ended up just being fascinated with the country, with the way they thought about things. Because like I said, you know, um, even from the political perspective, I was just like, all these people are having thorough conversations with me about something I would never have even cared about mm-hmm. if I were back home. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was just really more about me just being like so impressed with the, the folks in the country and like, trying to figure out like how can i possibly be like this and also the other thing that i think was very interesting obviously this is not some, this is not necessarily true today but at the time you know as a black person from the south like i was used to like racism all the time like mm-hmm. you know microaggressions all these other types of things and even at duke like you know there were not that many black kids at duke either so i was just very used to being treated in a way that wasn't always great right Mm-hmm. Um, and in the UK was for the first time, I think because there was so much diversity and people just weren't stressed out about me being black. So it also just gave me this new, like it gave me this new idea that like it could be better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you like maybe, you know, racism, anti-black sentiment, like maybe like there is a hope out there, right? Because, um, this country and the way I'm being treated, I just feel so drastically different than I've ever felt before. Like when I walk along the street, I know that I'm probably not being judged based on my skin color, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was a really, really, really great experience for me because I think it also, um, it just made me feel like I could do anything. Right. You know, yeah. like, like I don't have to like the, the cultural norm in my country, they are the thing that's trying to hold me back. But maybe I can decide that I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. Wow. And so do you feel like you, when you came back that you put that into <clears throat> the action right away in terms of not letting things hold you back or believing that different things, better things are, are possible? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think I was, you know, it was so clear to me that like I needed, like I could dictate things a little bit more. Yeah. Right? I didn't have to really worry, like, the, the game could be changed, right? Like, I didn't have to necessarily be inhibited by, you know, a lot of these systems that are in place. And I think that that's definitely translated, right? Oh, also, I should, I should also clarify that at the time of this happening, I actually didn't identify yet as being a lesbian. So I, I, I was not a part of the LGBTQ community or anything like that because mm-hmm. I went through all of my youth. I went through high school. I went through my first year of college. And I was just like, well... I'm probably just going to end up married to a dude anyway. Going to, <laughs> going to Oxford, I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure I'm gay too. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a lot of stuff. So I was just like, well, this makes, I was like, this makes sense. Like I was hanging around like all these diverse people and we're mm-hmm. having all these really cool conversations. And I actually came out, like I came out my, my um, fall semester of my sophomore year to my mom. And I was wow. like, yeah, mom, yeah, I'm gay. And how'd she take that? 
my mom was like, I've been bet, I bet on that like 17 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mom, why didn't you tell me? And she was just like, well, I just kind of figured you'd figure it out at some point. Wow. Wow. I hear that so many times when I hear about people's coming out stories where they, their parents like already knew and they were just waiting for, you know, the kid to, to express it themselves. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that was like a lot of like of introspection and, and change for you based on that time that you spent in, in the UK. Um, and you, and you said that, you know, people weren't tripping about you being black. Um, I am curious, though, if there were many black people around you, like fellow students or people who lived in the area that you came across. Yeah, so what's really cool, so in my actual, the, the group that went, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty positive I was the only black person who went in the group. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool is there, there was a lot of students there, right? Because obviously it's Oxford. There's people studying all around. Mm-hmm. I actually met a ton of like, um, actually like African folks and also black American folks. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up hanging out and actually discovering this like very vibrant community that was there. I ended up spending a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, was that something that you were hoping to find when you went there or were you prepared to kind of just be one of few while you were, <laughs> while you were in, in England? Yeah, I definitely did not expect to find such a cool community. Yeah. You know, I just expected to go and hopefully, you know, get value, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I was just very, I was so excited that, you know, I was able to meet these folks. And then also, because of the nature of Oxford, there was a lot of, like, a lot of those folks were grad students. So mm-hmm. I could also, again, kind of start seeing, I was seeing living representations of what I could be. You know, and so it was a really, really cool opportunity for me to be around these, like, super talented black people who... Like just seemed to have like a whole sense of who they were and like what they wanted to do, and they were all studying these like crazy things, and they were so smart. And I was like, I really want to be like you when I grow up. Um, so I'm just gonna like glom on to you <laughs> and just soak it up, soak up. Yeah, all well, your information. Right. Uh, have you um, been able to keep in touch with any any of the people that you met during that time? You know, so this is this is the, the sad part is that couple different things one so this is in 2004 so this is at the time facebook was still called the facebook right um (laughs) and then it still was only to a certain like a few colleges right Right, so actually was really interesting and then i i didn't have a cell phone like i know that it's shocking but like you know at the time cell phones were really expensive so i Mm -hmm. didn't have one and so like for a time like we kind of emailed back and forth but like over time it's just it was much more difficult i think at that time to actually stay connected because you have to do so much effort yeah. and all of us were in like these crazy programs crazy colleges you know we're all very ambitious and we kind of just kind of fell apart you know versus mm-hmm. you know kind of staying connected yeah okay i mean that makes sense especially given the the time period um yeah i'm just thinking about i met this i made a friend at camp one year when i was in middle school and we were like pen pals like literal pen pals until like like 2010 or something <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's like how we had to communicate was either email or actual letter so um yeah no that totally makes makes sense given the 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 options that you all had at your disposal actually because you remember you because you were like oh do you have any photos i was like i'm pretty sure i had a digital camera 
Oh no, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have a digital camera. I'm yeah. pretty sure there might be photos, but they're probably in a box packed up in a storage unit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, and it just like blew my mind because then I started looking at my phone. I was like, what is the first picture on my phone? The first yeah. picture on my phone is from 2009. And I was wow. just like, there's like this whole lifetime that I, I started thinking about, like based on me preparing for this. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there's like a whole lifetime of events that that aren't documented. Like, what did we do before, like, social media? (laughs) File it away in our minds, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Or or, uh, do, um, oh, what is it called? The, like, the disposable cameras, and you just have packets upon packets of photos stashed away in different places. Um, Yeah, that's amazing how all that has changed in not that that much time. Uh, (laughs) Did you... um, find a way to keep in touch with your family at all while you were while you were away yeah so my mom and i had like a schedule so you know like it was like every two weeks we would have a phone call Mm -hmm. because you know that was was, but it was it was definitely in the budget because my mom was like okay so we're gonna talk for exactly this amount of time (laughs) yes collect calls are expensive and i was like yes (laughs) ma'am yeah my mom my mom was my best friend so of course i was like there's no way i'm gonna survive this without talking to you Oh, no, I totally, I totally get that. When I was in college, I called my mom every day. And then I think when I was, whenever I was outside of the country, we would like email at least once a week or, you know, do something similar. So, um, uh, my point is I, I, I usually can't go that long without talking to my mom either. So I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> oh, and, um, I'm curious about, you know, in terms of you just, just living in the UK and having that experience, was there anything that, that really struck you about, you know, just day-to-day life in the UK? Um, so there's a couple of things. One, obviously, uh, the pound was like very strange. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, okay, so there's coins and paper money. And like you, I would have like all these coins in my pocket that would be like $50 worth of stuff, but it would be in my pocket. And I honestly, I was like, how do I keep my pants up? How do you guys deal with this? <laughs> right. Because it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. So that, and also like, honestly, it was very expensive because back then, especially the pound was like double us dollars. So, and oh, I wow. did not know about that type of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I was like, Oh wait, so this thing is two pounds. Right which is $4 mm-hmm. and that's like significantly more in the, the U S. So I had to, I had to really be strategic about what I could and could not do from that mm-hmm. perspective. Um, and then, you know, like, so for instance, Oh, another really interesting thing coming from the South, like they didn't really drive. There wasn't a whole bunch of people driving. People were riding their bikes, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I also thought found it very interesting, like, like drinking and driving is now, now to me seems like a very American problem. Mm-hmm. And so it was like so interesting to me that like I would go out with like some of the folks who worked at the, the university and they would be like, yeah, we're not going to drive. They're like, we're just going to walk over because like, you know, it's not safe to drink and drive. And I was like, y'all are so practical. Right? You know? So it's just like, it was like really, it was like really interesting to me to like this, just some of the like basic things that you kind of like that are very American things to do. Like they definitely weren't into it over there. Mm-hmm. So I definitely thought about that. But like I said, the, the biggest difference, though, just in general, was I had never seen so many different people from different countries who mm-hmm. spoke different languages. So yeah. it was also just like this idea, like, you know, a lot of times we think about the United States as a melting pot, but it's also kind of like only some parts of the United States are is actually a melting pot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like when you are in very, like, homogeneous areas, like I had grown up in, 
I, it, it, it didn't even occur to me that all those different people could be in the same place. Wow. Right. And so that was like a really big deal. It's like, I was just like, Oh, my mindset was so much more narrow before I went here. And now I'm over here again, eating goat and, I'm like, <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> you know? So I was just like, this is different. This is very, very different. Yeah. Was there anything else that you remember eating there that was unique or especially delicious to you? So like I had lamb for the first time too. So like, mm-hmm. you know, cause like the, the, on the, um, the, the chips that you would get, you mm-hmm. get like different stuff on there. So there was like lamb, which is really good. I had tzatziki sauce for the first time when I was there. I had duck for the first time, which I don't like duck. It's mm-hmm. too sweet. And they tried to prepare it a couple different ways. And I was like, y'all, this is not, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out at all. Um, also like, like, you know, of course, like their breakfast is like very different too. And also it's like way too much food. So, yeah. you know, so there's, a, there's a lot of just like really random stuff that again, is like very standard fare. But even like we went to like McDonald's and the McDonald's had a completely different menu than the McDonald's in the United mm. States. Yeah. Right. So it was just like this really crazy thing that I was just like, whoa. I was like, all this stuff is strange, but delicious. Except yeah. for the duck. Except for the duck. <laughs> yes. Okay. And um I'm sure you had your hands full with your with your studies and just, you know, um hanging out with the people around you. But did you go anywhere outside of the UK during that summer? Not really. Um, some folks would actually go pretty consistently to like Spain and some other places. Mm-hmm. But again, I was a poor kid. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take in your stories mm-hmm. and then file that away. And I'm going to go to that place later. So later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, if, and it's over a summer, I feel like, um, there's only so much of a grasp if you can, that you can get of one country over that period of time. So, I mean, that's, that's plenty enough as it is. <laughs> But I was just wondering, because, you know, some people country hop while they're over there, so. Oh, yeah. Well, what's so funny is that, like, now when I think about trips that we take, we're always just like, well, if we're here, we could probably just go over here and this other place and this other place, too. So, yeah, I totally, like, I think that, you know, it's definitely how I think about traveling now. Mm -hmm. At the time, it it, honestly, it just seemed, it it seemed so crazy that I was even somewhere besides my country. Yeah. That I was just like, well, I'm good. (laughs) That's good. And like you said, you could go later. You can always go later. <laughs> uh, that wasn't like the beginning and the end end for you. So, um, so I mean, have you been to other like international de- destinations over the years since you went to the to the UK during that summer? Yeah, actually. So my wife and I, we actually got married in Santorini, Greece. Oh, and wow! It actually, was like it was a big deal for us. And I yeah, and I told my wife, I was like fundamentally i do not want to get married in a, well at the time we were living in chicago so i was like one i don't want to get married in chicago because it's ridiculously expensive secondly i come from a huge family like it's like my family is super super huge mm-hmm. so i was just like how do we even afford a wedding if we have to invite all of my cousins because they will caravan they will drive their cars <laughs> to, to your wedding so yeah. i was like that's a lot of money but it seems like it's probably logical for us to have a destination wedding so we got married in Santorini. it was like the, the Probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we've also been like Mexico, the DR. Actually, next month we're going to Tokyo. Um, Ooh, so nice. we definitely are into traveling. Yeah, that's fantastic. I hope you enjoy um, Tokyo. 
And uh, just so I'm clear, because uh, I was really confused for a second, it was cheaper for you to get married in Greece than in Chicago? Yeah, it's like, so my wife before, like, so she now um, heads up a marketing team for mm-hmm. a startup in, in the Bay Area. But my wife used to be a wedding photographer. And so, like, when we sat down and started talking about our wedding and what it would take to do our wedding, it was like we were coming up with like 50, 60 grand for like a very basic Chicago wedding. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I was just like, it does not make sense that we could buy, like, we could legitimately buy a house in Mississippi where I'm from for that price, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, that doesn't make sense. And so we were able to actually, like, a lot of the, especially in Greece, they're really good at that. Like, like they, like people go there for weddings all the time. So we, we legitimately just reached out to a few different, um, locales. And so we actually rented an entire villa. So we, we had the entire villa for mm-hmm. the weekend we got married. And, you know, all of our, you know, the folks who, all of our vendors stayed in the villa with us so that we could actually pull off the wedding. But the wedding was legitimately like a fifth of the cost. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's, that's great for you. That's amazing. I just am thinking about how ridiculously expensive stuff like that is. <laughs> like you went to a whole other country and it was way cheaper than just, just getting married in where you live, you know? Um. And, and also another really random aside from a cultural perspective, weddings are more important in Greece. Than I think in some ways than the United States feels mm-hmm. about weddings. So also they like went above and beyond. They were like, they would contact me upset being like, we think we can't get that thing that we had talked about. I'm like, we're so sorry. Like, you know, we're going to do something else. And I was like, honestly, you're the one who suggested that thing. I just said, <laughs> you know? so like, it was just really cool. Like how dedicated they were to making sure that we had like this wonderful experience. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. Um, I don't want to get stuck too long on your wedding. I'm just curious, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, how many did people come, or was it just you two at 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 your wedding in Greece? So it was the two of us, and then like thirty, like thirty, thirty one people. Mm. So you know, we actually it was a decent sized wedding. But honestly, and and nothing against anyone else in our family, like pretty much every one of the most important people that we needed to have at our wedding was there. Right. So like, you know, mm-hmm. the best friends, the mom, like the people that you like legitimately would be like, I would be devastated if they weren't there. Mm-hmm. They were all there. Okay. So for me, I feel like it was exactly what we were looking for. Okay. Well, that works. That works then. And you have those amazing memories and all that extra money that you didn't have to spend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. Um Okay. Well, um, so getting back to, to Oxford, I was wondering if you had any like financial assistance and being able to, to go like scholarships or any type of fundraising you were able to do, like, how are you able to afford this, this experience? So that's one of the cool things about, um, you know, the Oxford trip is that they took care of everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, so there was a program that Duke had. So that's why you had to apply. Mm-hmm. And so like they paid for the program. They paid for my flight. Um, I even had like a little bit extra left over that would have been my spending money for that period of time. And, you mm-hmm. know, honestly, I also work like I worked through college. So I also tried to save up as much money as possible. I and mean, then some of my friends and family gave me cash too. But like the, that was why this program was so phenomenal. And actually this is something that, you know, as I kind of continue to be more successful in my life, I would love to figure out how to do similar things at other colleges, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that especially for, you know, young black and brown folks, you know, diverse folks, 
it's so important for us to have this opportunity to go out and see the world yeah, and see how different the world can be. Um, and, but, it, but again, these problems, these programs don't exist everywhere. So like, how can we kind of like, you know, create this opportunity for more people to have these experiences? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm right there with you. Honestly, that's the whole reason why I started this podcast. Cause I was just like, this is awesome, but there's gotta be more of us doing this type of thing, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on, on the same, on the same page with you regarding that. Do you have any advice for people who want to study abroad or who just want to travel more in general? Any advice off the top of your head that you'd like to give? Well, first and foremost, don't be afraid. Um, I mean, obviously there's like a lot of like, what's really cool is there's a lot of Facebook groups. Um, there's a lot of influencers who talk about traveling now. Mm-hmm. So like, I also highly encourage people to start following that type of information and join those groups and start like kind of demystifying it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, traveling really, you know, all, all these other countries, all these other places, you know, they thrive on tourists, just like the United States thrives on people who go to Disneyland and Disney World and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, they're like, they love having many of those countries love having people come there. So that's first and foremost. And then secondly, um, even if it's hard, like, so for instance, if it's like a, a fiscal issue or something like that, like try to hustle it out and, and figure out how you can do it as cheap as possible, but still try to do it. Right. So even I remember when we, when my wife and I first met, I was like, we're going to go to Mexico and I had barely had enough money for that. But I was like, let me go do this Google search, mm-hmm. right. And figure out how I can find the one all inclusive resort. Um, that, that I wouldn't have as much expenses and most of the things were covered. Right. So there's mm-hmm. always like a little bit of a strategy and different, different ways you can kind of search out opportunities to, to get that opportunity to study abroad. Okay, great. And, um, sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to, to harp on your wedding again, but I was just thinking, cause you mentioned your mom was there and that how she had wanted to travel when she was younger and then, you know, had kids and whatnot. I mean, was that her first, you know, international trip? Or, I mean, how actually, did she feel getting to go to Greece? Actually, to clarify, is Alyssa's, my wife's mom was there. My mom actually passed away in 2012. So actually, oh, I'm that's sorry. one of the things, oh, it's just no problem. That's actually one of the things, that's one of the reasons I say, just go for it, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the regrets that I always will have is that, you know, we kept saying, you know, well, we're just, we're just going to wait a little bit more. And so we have a little bit more money. We can do it a little bit bigger. But she passed away before we could take those trips, right? Mm. And so that's why it's so important, again, to just go hard sooner so you don't have those regrets. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I apologize. I didn't mean to. (laughs) Oh, it's no problem. (laughs) Um. Wow, I'm sorry. I didn't realize your your mother was no longer living. I'm sorry. But I'm I'm glad that you have been able to go out there and see places, you know, and... um, you know, and, and obviously that hasn't ended yet because you're going to to Japan soon. Um, is there anywhere else that, that you have in mind that you'd like to go at some point? Well, actually, it's so funny because, like, so being in Chicago, I'm around a whole bunch of my older, my, my friends that I've been friends with for forever. Mm-hmm. And so last night we were actually just talking about we want to do something in Europe. So we were looking at, like, potentially, like, Hungary, like, some of the, like, not necessarily, like, because Paris, eventually we'll get to Paris or, you know, Rome or all these places. But mm-hmm. what we're really looking for, like, like those in-between places that people tell you, like, they have these, like, phenomenal 
experiences. Like, for instance, the Netherlands is another place that, like, is higher on our list probably in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, like, my wife and I specifically, so I promised my wife when we first met that eventually I was going to get her to one of those countries that have the, um, the, the rooms that are on the water, like the overwater, like bungalows. Ooh, and so yeah. our number one goal probably the next, yeah, in the next few years is probably the Maldives. Like we really want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we're kind of looking at probably for like 2022 ish, probably. Okay. So there's a lot of different things. Like we really want to explore, um, Asia, I think in a, a very real way. Mm-hmm. And okay. then, you know, potentially also South America as well. So we, we were planning out probably, I wouldn't say quarterly, but like at least two or three trips a year um, to, to really do some really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I hope you you do get to to, to go out of, to all those places and explore and have just amazing experiences together. That sounds like that would be fantastic. Um, any desire to go back to the UK where it started for you? <laughs> kind of go full, full circle? So what's so funny is, is I keep trying to, like my wife says, because I'm, like, I'm always like, babe, I want to take you to the UK. It's so great. I love it so much. And she's always just like, she's like, so my wife is, is white. She's like, but I already seen white people. <laughs> <laughs> so until she decides she's got her fill on everybody else, I guess we won't be going back. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's funny. Okay. <laughs> Well, it looks like you've, you've got plenty of other options and plenty of other plans to go amazing places in the meantime. So, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure the UK can wait. <laughs> um, yeah. all right then. Well, uh, my last question then is where can people, uh, reach you or keep up with what you're doing online if you'd like them to do so? Yeah, so everywhere in the world, you can find me at B Pagels Minor. So B P A G E L S M I N O R. That's like my Twitter handle, my Facebook, Instagram, my website. So you can find me there. Um, and I love chatting with people. So definitely feel free to connect with me, um, reach out if you have questions, all that good stuff. Okay, great, great. So, um, uh, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate it. I, I'm feeling like I can breathe a little better now. Um, thanks to talking <laughs> to you. So <laughs> won't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed it as well. You know, this is great. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thanks again. I'll let you go so you can have a, a wonderful weekend and everything. And, um, and I'll be in touch. Okay? All right, great. All right, great. Bye-bye. So I'm just, I'm sorry? I said, I said, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to B for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. 
And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, it's going to be May. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's going to be May already. Wow. And I don't know why I'm in such a singing mood today, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so for the next episode in two weeks, uh, we're going to do something a little different, I guess. The guest is going to be someone who uh, is American, but spent much of their childhood uh, living, growing up, going to school in Germany, Turkey, and Holland. And then after that, moved back and, and had to adjust to American life and culture. So you can look forward to hearing more about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. <laughs>